coming up next Sunday. Be in prayer about that as well. Now, if you will, turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 again. Last Sunday, we began in, we've been studying through our theology and things we believe and, and what, what the Scripture says about those things. That's the reason we believe it, because it's what the Scripture says. That's, that's, that's a, a needed thing. Okay? Uh, if, if what we believe does not square with the Scriptures, then we need to change what we believe, you see, not the other way around. And yet that's what a lot of people try to do. They'll try to fix the Scripture with what they believe. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to change what we believe with what the Word of God declares. And we began last week as we were studying concerning eschatology, kind of beginning to look at some of those things. And eschatology just means the study of last events or the end times is what is in reference. And we began looking in here in chapter 4 at the uh, rapture of the saints or the catching away of God's people as described for us here in this passage. And we look there, verse 13, down through verse number 18, as Paul speaks concerning this event. We talk a little bit about what uh, this is, how it lines up with these events concerning the end times. Uh, and we'll get more into that as we go further along in our study in these last things. Uh, but this is the next event that we are looking for. This is the next event in the prophetic calendar that is to take place, that is the rapture of the saints. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for the Lord's return to catch us up unto Himself. Now, as we were studying through the, the kingdom and what the Scripture, and we'll get more into, we'll come back to the kingdom when we get to the millennial reign and, and in this study, and we'll kind of address some of those things again, but it is during, as we, we looked at concerning the kingdom, it is during that time when he comes to take his kingdom that is described in Revelation chapter 19, particularly uh, as well as in the book of Zechariah speaks to this, that is the time when he will literally set foot again upon the earth when he's come to take his kingdom. It is at this time, as we were looking at last week, in the rapture of the saints, that He does not set foot upon the earth, but rather calls us up to Him to meet Him in the clouds. Uh, and, and we will be called away uh, with Him for a time. And so we'll, we're going to get into these things and what these particular time frames are of these events. But this is the next prophetic event. It is the second part, it is the second part of the first resurrection. The first resurrection comes in three parts, the first part being Christ Jesus himself and those that was resurrected with him on his resurrection day. Those of the Old Testament saints whose graves were burst open, they came forth also and, and were seen of people there. And again, that is the only scripture that speaks of it. I wish there were more to give us more detail, but if we had more detail, we would put more focus on those that were resurrected instead of the one who was resurrected, and that is Christ Jesus. That's the reason we're given little information about the others, because he's the focus. He is the one that we're supposed to be fixed upon, you see. 
but I would enjoy it myself if we had a little bit more information about who those others were that were resurrected with him. That was the first part, or the first uh, uh, point of the first resurrection. The second part is this resurrection here, and that is our resurrection or our rapture being caught up to meet the Lord in the air. The third part of the resurrection unto life is at the end of the tribulation period, at which time those who were who died during the tribulation period that were beheaded for the Lord's sake, those that were saved and died during that time frame, they will be resurrected to meet the Lord also at the end of the tribulation period. Those three phases there that are described for us in the Scripture are all make up the first resurrection, and that is the resurrection unto life. The second resurrection we talked about is the resurrection unto death. That's the one that is described in Revelation chapter number 20. That takes place after the thousand year reign of Christ. At the end of the millennial period, Again, Jesus continues to reign at the end of that thousand years. A thousand years is just marked off to bring to pass these judgments that are listed for us there in Revelation chapter 20. That is the second resurrection, and it is a resurrection unto death. You don't want to be a part of that one. You want to be a part of the first one. You want life. You don't want death, you see. You want to be you want to be in Christ. You don't want to be out of Christ. And so we want to be in that first resurrection. That that reality is for all of His people, those who belong to Him, those who are in the Lord Jesus Christ. They are part of this first resurrection. Now, as we looked at this, the events of what would take place here in the rapture, as we were looking at it last week, we saw there that there would be a, a um, the, how, the, how the events are, are laid out. Paul, of course, giving the event itself as a means of comfort as he's describing what's going to take place. He's giving that to us as a means of comfort because specifically, I couldn't say that word, specifically those people that he is writing to there at Thessalonica, they had received a letter, and in that letter it stated that they had, or from what they gathered from that letter, they had missed those that died, those that had uh, uh, passed away of their group had missed the resurrection. And that disturbed them. How is that? That's not fair. <laughs> That's not good. We don't want that to be the case. And so Paul is writing to correct that misinformation that was given them. And, and they, they assumed the letter that they had received, whether it was actually addressed as from Paul or uh, someone delivered it and said it was from Paul, whatever the case may be, uh, uh, they, they assumed it was from Paul. And Paul said, no, 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 that's not what, I didn't write that to you, that's not what's, that's not what's being taught. And so he, he gives them direction here concerning the fact that they had not missed the resurrection, that the Lord is going to resurrect His saints, both dead and living. He's going to catch us all up. 
And he tells us here the, the order of these events. The dead in Christ will rise first, and they will be changed in, the, in, in 1 Corinthians 15. He declares to us in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. They're going to be changed, given their glorified bodies. Then we also, which are alive and remain, those of us that are living at the time of this, this occurrence, we will be caught up secondly uh, to, to meet the Lord in the air. We will receive our glorified bodies at that time as we are brought into His presence, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And Paul ends this passage, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, this evening I want us to consider uh, why this event, and I'm just going to give you a few. Uh, Brother uh, Cockrell wrote a little short book on it, A Hundred Reasons Why, and I'm not going to give you the hundred reasons why. I'm just going to give you two or three, okay, of why this event is going to happen before the tribulation period. I think the chief reasons that the Scripture teaches us concerning this reality of why the event of the rapture is going to take place before, before the tribulation period. The tribulation period is immediately going to follow the rapture of the saints. And that period is a seven year period. In fact, it's a little more than seven years if you add the number of days that Daniel tells us about. It's going to be about 7.3 years uh, total of the, the number of days uh, most of the scripture tells us when it's accounting to this particular event it is given it just gives a blanket seven year period uh, but Daniel breaks it down and gives us the number of days even that, that this event will take place uh, it is during that seven year period that there is going to be great tribulation that's going to take place on the earth uh, there's going to be a great deal of change that's going to take place as far as God pouring out His wrath upon the earth at this time. Uh, Israel is the focus of these events that take place during the tribulation period. Uh, they, everything, tension turns back to them because those that He is saving of the Gentiles... The, the, during this age are being caught up in the event of the rapture. And so the attention turns back to the Gentiles, or I'm sorry, back to the Jews for this seven year period. Uh, the first three and a half are going to be bad. And then the last three and a half are going to be really, really bad. Okay? That's how the scripture divides it up for us. Uh, the first three and a half they're going to be trying to pull together. They're going to be trying to make these things work for them. They're going to be trying to survive. The last three and a half, Satan is going to be unleashed in a sense for that time. Uh, Antichrist will be, uh, be demanding uh, allegiance. He will be uh, in full power at this point in those at last three and a half uh, year period. And it is there that not only are these events from God, these, these judgments being poured out, you also have the Antichrist working against the people of the earth at that time as well, especially those that are of the children of God, who will be revealed, particularly in this last three and a half years. 
they, they will be found out uh, by the world in that sense. And so the, these events will take place immediately following this rapture that we see. Now, this is, this is one of the reasons that we see given to us in the Scripture that this event of the rapture takes place before the tribulation period takes place because we, as the children of God, are saved from His wrath. And this is a time frame, a time when He's going to be pouring out that wrath upon the earth during those seven years. And we find in the Scriptures that are given to us, Noah, for instance, and Lot are two examples typologically of how this fits. You have Noah and his family provided that escape to be caught up from the rest of the world at the time when the Lord would destroy the earth with flood. You have Lot and his family being brought out of Sodom there when the Lord was preparing to destroy Sodom. That Those that were righteous there brought forth to protect them during that time of those judgments being poured out. And so those are the examples given to us in the Scripture. Notice in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 10 here. 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse number 10. He says here, And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. He's delivered us from the wrath to come. Chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse number 9. Paul says, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. We have, we are, are, have that protection from His wrath as we have been delivered of it or from it by our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we, this, this event of God pouring out His wrath and His judgments upon the earth during the tribulation period is we are protected from through this rapture that takes place. Um, verse number 10 of Revelation 3. Notice with me what it says here. Revelation 3 and verse number 10. This is, this is speaking to the church. This is the Lord's words to the church at Philadelphia. Revelation 3 verse number 10. He says, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. So he's, he will deliver them to keep them from this very hour that will come on all of the earth. So we are saved from that wrath. The Lord is going to deliver us from that in the rapture of that which is poured out on this world. Secondly, we are not to look for as we've already discussed concerning the rapture, we are not to look for the events that take place in the tribulation period. Now there's a lot of folks that are. And it's a little bit aggravating uh, because 
the ones that are 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 or are building up the height of those things, um, they're trying to get likes and clicks and seed money and everything else. So they like to keep people stirred up, and so they start pointing out these things. Like Jonathan said, he heard this week that the the vaccine was the mark of the beast. So if you've got the vaccine, there you go. We don't know how it's going to show itself. Maybe it's going to rearrange and come out on your forehead or something. I don't know, but that's what that's what the claim was. That's people like they tell these things to sensationalize this stuff to keep people stirred up. Now there are warnings given to us in the scripture. And we should look at those warnings. We should see those things that the Scripture gives us. The Lord speaks a great deal about some of those warnings, especially there in Matthew 24 as He describes most uh, a lot of these events that will take place during the tribulation period. He speaks to these events and some of these warnings there as pertaining to the seven-year tribulation period. Now, some of those warnings that he's given about the seven-year period, we can see some of those things happening now, you see. But that doesn't mean we're in the tribulation period. It just means we're getting closer to it, you see. But I'm not looking for the events that take place during the tribulation period. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for Antichrist. Is he alive? Probably. Is he in power somewhere? Probably. I don't know. I'm not looking for Him. I'm looking for Jesus. He's the one I'm looking for. He's the one that my eyes is to be fixed upon. And so I'm looking for His return, not for these things that's going to take place during the tribulation period. I'm looking for my Lord. And so, this this is one of the other proofs that we are given. We are not to be looking for these events that he describes particularly in Matthew 24. We'll look at some of those in just a moment. But but we are to be looking for our Lord Jesus. He is the one that we our eyes are to be fixed upon. He's the one we're to be looking for. Titus chapter number two. Titus chapter two, verse number thirteen. Now, you all know this verse well, I'm sure. Titus 2, verse 13. He says, looking for that blessed hope. That's what we're to be looking for. That blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the one we're to be looking for. He's the one our eyes are to be fixed upon. And as we, we read already there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul ends that passage there after he describes the event of the rapture. He ends that passage, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Those are be a comfort for us. Knowing that this event is going to take place. Knowing what the Lord is delivering us from and how this is going to come to pass. If we, if, if instead we were going to have to go through the tribulation first, there wouldn't be a lot of comfort in this, would it? Uh, because we would be looking for those things. We'd be looking for those situations. But rather, he says, wherefore comfort one another these with these words. Go over to Matthew 24 now. Look at verse 19. Matthew 24, verse number 19. 
He uses this word here. And, and of course, he says this is about the great tribulation period. He calls it there in verse 15, the abomination of desolation. Uh, Jacob's trouble is also called, the great tribulation is called. And he says here in verse number 19, and woe unto them that it were child and to them that give suck in those days. Woe to them. He says, the angels say in in Revelation chapter 8 and verse number 13, Revelation chapter 8 and verse number 13, speaking of these events that will take place during the tribulation period that John is seeing unfolded here in the Revelation. Revelation 8 verse number 13, this is the angels. In heaven, it says, uh, verse 13, And behold, or, and I beheld, rather, and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. That's not much comfort there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) That's not something that you're going to gain comfort from. That's because this event of the tribulation period that's being described in these passages, there is going to be great trouble poured out on the earth at this time. And so we are going to be gone. By God's grace, we are going to be gone when these events begin to transpire upon the earth. Thirdly, Jesus is preparing a place for us. Now this is uh, this is particular here that we look and see this, this reality. He tells us this in John 14. Now, this that he describes here, if I understand correctly, what I find here in John chapter 14, is that this is not our final abode, but rather this is a temporary abode until the final abode is completed, or until it's done. Now, there's no problem with the Lord's building program. Okay? He's been building on this for quite a while. But there's no problem with it. He's not having trouble getting the supplies. Okay? He is, he is, it's on his time schedule. And building is going exactly according to plan. Okay? He's not having any trouble getting it built. And so I've heard some say, well, it's took him 2,000 years. I mean, he's really going all out. Well, all he had to do is speak it and he'd gone all out. You see, that this, this, this is according to his timetable. But we read here in John 14 that he's preparing us a place in the Father's house. Now this, I believe this is separate from what we read there in Revelation 21 concerning New Jerusalem. That's going to be our final abode that is also in preparation. But here in the Father's house, this is going to be a temporary dwelling for us during this seven-year period. 
we're going to be called up to the Father's house. Listen to what he says here. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again that, and, and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. That where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, you know, and away you know. And so here, <coughs> the Lord describes for us that He's preparing us a place in the Father's house that we will have a place of rest in Him during that seven year period of tribulation. It is at that time that you have the marriage supper of the Lamb taking place in heaven. By the way, while there's trouble and judgment and turmoil going on on the earth, there's going to be partying, rejoicing, and worshiping going on in glory in the presence of our Lord. And so those, while those seven years of trouble are going on here, the way the book of the Revelation describes it for us is there's going to be a great time of rejoicing together as well as the marriage supper of the Lamb taking place. And so there's going to be, there's going to be a celebration going on in heaven at this time at the Father's house while the trouble's going on on the earth. And so we, we have this special place, the Father's house, that is descriptive of heaven now, that that is what is where we're going to be staying until Revelation 19 takes place, in which our Lord comes back to take His throne, and we will come with Him at that time. And so He is has that separate place preparing for us here in in John chapter 14. Fourthly, one of the reasons we know that the rapture is going to take place before the tribulation period is we are told, uh, in two different places at least, that we're going to be coming with Him when He comes to take His throne. Now, in order for us to come with Him when He comes to take His throne, that means we have to already be with Him, you see. If we're coming with Him, that's not the time of our catching up. That's already taken place. This is the time we're going to be returning. Look at Jude and chapter 14. Jude chapter 14. Or Jude verse 14, whichever way you want to say it. It's more fun to say chapter and watch people flip trying to find it. Jude verse 14. He says here, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his sons. The Lord cometh with ten thousands of His saints. How's He come with ten? Because we've been called up to meet Him. We've been called up to meet Him in the air. Now, Revelation chapter 19, John speaks to this as well. Revelation 19, verse number 14. Let me go back up and read verse 11. 
on down through verse 14, 15, 16 there. Because it's just too much fun to read the whole passage right there about this event. I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Now remember that. That's who we're coming back to. Verse 15, Out of his mouth go the sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, what we find here, verse number 14 again, the armies which were in heaven are going to come with him. The armies which were in heaven are going to come with him. Now this is not an angelic army because it tells us here what they are wearing. And this is important. Read there verse 19 again, I'm sorry, verse 14 again, what they are wearing. They are clothed in fine linen, white and clean. So how is it that we know who that is when we read about what they're wearing? Jump right back to verse number 8 and you'll see who this is. Revelation 19 verse 8. And to her was granted, this is the wife of the Lord Jesus. The wife hath made herself ready, Scripture says. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. Now listen to this. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. The fine linen is righteousness of saints. So those that are returning with the Lord Jesus to take His throne here is the event in Revelation 19. Are those arrayed in that fine linen white and clean? It is those... This, this fine linen arrayed, uh, arrayed in fine linen white and clean is part of the reward that is given to the saints. That means the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus has already taken place, which the book of the Revelation describes previous. And we'll get into that when we get further over in our study. But that means this event has already taken place. They have received, or we have received our rewards at this point, being arrayed with this fine linen, white and clean. We are returning with our Lord as He takes His throne in the earth. And so if we have already been through the judgment seat of Christ and received our rewards, that means we have already received our glorified bodies, which is mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. That means before this event takes place, we have already been raptured to meet the Lord in the air to receive 
our glorified bodies. Then when we take that into account with the events that are described for us in the book of the Revelation, it's pretty easy for us to find out that our rapture takes place before the beginning of the tribulation period and we return with Him at the beginning of the millennial reign that we find here in Revelation, 8, or Revelation 19. Now, when Jesus returns... In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we see apparently the only one with him, besides, I mean physically with him, our spirits will be with him as we are, are resurrected to meet our spirits there and receive those glorified bodies, those that have passed on, that is. We see apparently the only person with him is the archangel. Now, if that's, that may be Michael. Uh, uh, he is he is called an archangel. Maybe Gabriel. I don't know who it is. Maybe one that we don't even have a name of. But he's going to be uh, accompanied by one of the archangels as he returns, uh, because it tells us in verse sixteen of chapter four: For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And so we don't see these armies coming with him at this point. That's what takes place in chapter 19, you see. Alright, that's the, the, the uh, fourth thing. The fifth thing, the fifth thing are the, the prophecies that are to be fulfilled at the revelation of Jesus that are not fulfilled when he describes this event here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now one of those examples, go back to Zechariah chapter 14. Zechariah chapter number 14 and verse 14. I made mention of this already as we were looking at concerning the kingdom. But go back and look with me here. Zechariah chapter 14 and verse... I think I may have said verse 14. Verse 4. Chapter 14, verse 4. Describing his return uh, at the, that describes there in Revelation 19. It gives us these details concerning his coming here. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley and half the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azal. Yea, ye shall flee like as ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee. And it shall come to pass in that day and the light shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light, and it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea, half of them toward the hinder sea, in summer and in winter shall it be. 
And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord and His name one. And so this, this event that's being described here in Zechariah 14 is when the Lord takes His throne on the earth. It is at that time, Zechariah speaks a great deal about this, that the Jews are going to look upon the Lord and see Him as Savior at this time. And it will only be, as, as is described for us, a third of them that will be left alive at the end of this tribulation period that will look upon Him and be saved. And Paul says there in Romans chapter 11, and so all Israel shall be saved. Verse number 25 of that passage. And so this event, these events are not described at all in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 of what's being taken place, but rather they fit with what we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm sorry. Revelation chapter 19, that's how they fit. We don't see them in in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I got my verses reversed there. So these things that are being described in Zechariah 14 are those things that come along with him taking his kingdom, not the rapture of the saints that's being described for us in our text. 2 Thessalonians, look with me quickly there. 2 Thessalonians. Chapter number 2, and beginning in verse 1. Now this passage is describing for us the tribulation period, some of the events of the tribulation period. This is in Paul's second letter to them. And he says here in verse 1, he says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him, that which He described for us in 1 Thessalonians 4, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. I believe there's a great deal in that verse. I'm not, I'm not going to take time to get into it this evening because it's, it's a message in and of itself. But I believe that verse right there in verse number 3 tells us plainly when the rapture will take place. We might get into that next time. We'll see. Uh, but there, there in verse number 3. And he says who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now ye know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, These wicked things are already among us, Paul says. They're already out there. Uh, So it's not too hard for us to imagine someone coming along as he's describing concerning the Antichrist because we see the wickedness. We know these things are already around us in that sense. It's where the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. That, speaking of the Spirit of God, He is restraining 
the ability of evil to run wild or to run to the extent of which it will during the tribulation period. At this point, he's holding it back. He is restraining it. That's what that means. That he that letteth will let. He is restraining that until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Very plainly described for us there in Revelation chapter 19. As our Lord comes to take his throne, what takes place there with Antichrist and the false prophet. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. In other words, the world is going to see that, and they're, uh, the, the rapture of the saints being called up, us being called up, and, they're, and, and the wickedness will be unleashed, and they're going to be looking at everything else under the sun, trying to figure out how this has happened, instead of seeing that God has done exactly what He said He was going to do. I believe, and I believe it's why we see it so much around us, I was noticing it, I don't remember what day it was this week, me and Josh were watching TV one day, and it was... I, I like the History Channel normally, and I got down there on the History Channel, and there was on it, and there was like three or four other stations there, kind of the same deal. Every one of them were talking about aliens of some sort, and I, I believe wholeheartedly that that's one of the first things they're going when we all disappear from off this earth. Even though our graves are going to be burst open, even though it's going to be clearly seen that it's the people of God that are brought, I believe that's the thing. Why well, are them aliens coming gone? I mean, that's the way they think of us now. They think we're waiting on the mothership. Us saying we're looking for the Lord Jesus to go. And I believe that's one of the first reasons. And it, and it says it says here, For this cause God shall send them strong delusion, they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The Spirit right now is restraining Iniquity, and he will let it happen. He will let this. He will lift those restraints that he is holding back now. Only when the Lord's people are caught up from this earth, because right now he says, and again in in Matthew chapter twenty-eight and verse number twenty, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of. The world, or that word aeon that we were discussing, the word age. At the end of this age, He's going to take us out, and He's coming with us. You see? That as long as He is with us, these things are restrained in this age. And we see the same point being delivered to us. Uh, Matthew chapter 24 again. And I, we'll look at this very very quickly. I don't want to hold you too much longer. Matthew 24. There are those that point to Matthew 24. As I said, they see these events that the Lord is warning of and they say, see, see, here it is. These things are happening right now. We're in it. This is the tribulation period. 
And there are things that are we see in here that we can look at and say, yeah, that's happening. But it's not the events that he's describing here. There's like events going on right now. But it's not like he's describing them here. So that means that, that goes to tell me that the events he's describing here are much, much worse than what we have seen in our past. You see. As he described verse number four, Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many, and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrow. Every time there's an earthquake, somebody says, oh, earthquakes in diverse places. Well, yeah, because they're happening all over the world. <laughs> but there's going to be all kinds of earthquakes in all kinds of places during this time, you see. It's, it's going to be much worse than what we are even witnessing now. And so, but there are those that see these warnings and they say, well, Jesus is talking to his disciples here. And so if he's talking to his disciples here, he must be warning them. And if he's warning them, he's warning us about these events that are going to take place during this tribulation period. So that must mean then that we're going to be here during the tribulation period. He is telling it to his disciples, but he's not speaking to his disciples. Go back to chapter 23. Verse number 37. Here's who he's telling these warnings to. This is who he's giving these warnings to. Remember the chapter verses, or the chapter headings and the the verses were not in it when he's giving. He didn't stop and say, okay, now chapter 24. This is just his, this is his message to them. And so chapter 24 goes right along with verses 37, 38, and 39 there as well. And this tells us who he's talking to. The warnings of chapter 24 are here. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the building of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? And so his his warning here that he's teaching them is for Israel. It's they're the, they're the ones that's in focus here. He's describing these events that will specifically come upon them. As he tells them all of these things that will take place. So yes, he's talking to his disciples here. But he's speaking about these events that Israel is going to be a part of. The things they are going to face during that tribulation period. So that's, that's what is in reference here when we read of these warnings that are given, these events that will take place during the tribulation period, and all the way even to the very end of the tribulation period as he speaks there of those being called away. 
those that are being, as we were talking about this morning a little bit, those that are being caught away that the Lord is warning here of in, in chapter 24 are those caught away unto judgment. And that's what chapter 25, he begins to describe that, uh, those divisions between the sheep and the goats, you see. That's what's being described there. So he is telling his disciples here what is going to take place with Israel during this tribulation period. We find very clearly Paul was looking for the rapture. James was looking for the rapture. Peter was looking for the rapture. John was looking for the rapture. They were waiting the Lord's return. To come and gather us unto Himself. And the Lord says, Revelation 22 verse 20, Surely I come quickly. And John says, Even so come, Lord Jesus. He's the one that we are to be looking for. Our Lord in His return for us. Okay, I hope that makes